snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. Discovering literature and following stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ying Kang Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong in Beijing. For those who are listening out there, I've got a question for you. When is the ideal time for women to tie the knot? The conventional 20s, the self-assured midlife, or just don't ply troth at all? To find the answer, let's follow Liu Kun to check out a bestseller, Do Not Marry Before Age 30 which may clear the air for some troubled ladies. Female, check. Over the age of 27, check. Single, all check. Well, in that case, congratulations, because you officially win the title of being a leftover woman, or widely known as 剩女 in China. In a society where women traditionally marry young, and marriage is still commonly regarded as women's sole source of happiness and fulfillment, being a singleton around a certain age is undoubtedly stuck with stigma. Joy Chen, a Chinese-American who got hitched at the late booming age of 38, is in shock by the prevalence of this social discrimination. This generation of women in China is the first generation in thousands of years in China to face so many choices in our lives. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, there's still so much ancient pressure, which is totally outdated. I was talking to a young Chinese woman, she was maybe 27-ish. She was very successful in her work, and she had her own apartment in Beijing, which is a very expensive city. Something was wrong in her apartment, so she invited a plumber over to fix it. And the plumber looked around and saw, you know, no signs of children or husband. And he said, you haven't gotten married yet? And she felt like she had to apologize to him. Like, I haven't (laughs) found Mr. Right yet. She told me that, and I felt like that is totally different from the experience of American women. Born in the United States to migrant parents, Joy Chen is undeniably a high flyer and advocate of self-reliance. At age 31, she became the deputy mayor of Los Angeles. After years in public service, she has turned into an elite corporate headhunter who finds CEOs for global companies. Yet recruiting top talents is not her sole job. As the number of Chinese students in America shoots up year by year, Chen has started a blog to provide advice for those young females on their career, relationships, and personal development. The growing popularity of the blog has won attention of Citic Press, a major publishing house in China, to accredit her to write a strategy book for Chinese women. But the author emphasizes that the catchy title of her debut, Do Not Marry Before Age 30, is not something that comes in a flash. 100 years ago, the life expectancy of women in China was 35. So if women were to take care of, from a biological standpoint, our most important um, responsibility in our time on Earth, which is to create more Chinese people, but now, you know, you and I may live into our hundreds. So just on one fact alone, we have to totally rechange the way that we look at our lives. The 20s have become a time of exploration, a time to explore careers, explore ideas, date around. Because now we have to find somebody not to stay with us for 10 or 20 years. We 
We have to find someone who can be by our sides for 60 or 70 years. Mm -hmm. That's a huge, totally new proposition. Containing snippets of personal experience, quotes of those who are famous and knowledgeable while infusing with hands-on tips, the self-help book Do Not Marry Before Age 30 acts as a guide for young ladies who are struggling or are rebuffed in both love and career. Stating in sheer frankness and honesty, the popular blogger tries to pour out her understanding on the crisis of the so-called leftover women, the universal sense of insecurity, and all those frustrating hung-ups in womanhood. So the first part of the book is become misright, but how to become misright? Because I think that, you know I think that a lot of women get a lot of very encouraging messages like go out there, 加油! Like, you're so awesome. Go for it. Add a girl. But they don't really know specifically, in very practical terms, how to put step by step forward. The second half of the book is since I was a CEO headhunter for seven years, is how to use CEO headhunting methods mm -hmm. to hunt Mr. Right. So, again, um, I think what I really try to create is a book of very practical advice. Practical it is. Flipping through the pages, readers could learn how to find the respective A-plus skills and land better jobs, why women should take heed of orphans romance and sugar daddies, and find out whether late childbirth could lead to Down syndrome. By gushing over how to date and love, the author tries to emphasize that no matter you are within the institution of marriage or not, it is important for women to understand the mindset of the opposite sex although they are from Mars, another sphere from our home planet, Venus. Men and women actually think differently. By understanding them better and understanding better how to communicate with them, we can be better people, you know? I mean, you know, men, men are adorable in their own way. And we can learn to love and enjoy their friendship. But we have to go out and spend time with them to do that. Published in 2012, Do Not Marry Before Age 30 had become a smash hit in China, as it points out that there's no magic number of one's marriage age, while no dead end for singletons. But girls, please be aware that life doesn't come with instructions. It's your life, you need to seize it. Thanks Liu Kun for bringing us such an enlightening book. I have to say, I am a little bit shocked when the society regards girls over the age of 27 as leftover women. Life's wonder have barely unfolded yet for a person at the age of 27. There shouldn't be any limit at all for when you could get married. When you meet the right man at the age of 39, it won't be a problem. Trust me on that. You are listening to Ink and Queer with Yang Yong. We will be back after the break. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. Welcome back. There's a well-known ancient poem in China that describes a farmer's hard work and it goes like this. Who knows that every single grain on the dining plate represents hardship? As the poem is interpreted via illustrations with the new elements, an illustrated book, Where Does Rice Come From, has given its author and illustrator Yu Hongcheng international attention. 
So, how far have these Chinese illustrators and their works gone on their journey to reach international readers? Well, let me tell you. Yu Hongcheng is a young illustrator born in 1989. She began considering a design for her illustrated book at the end of 2013, following a trip to Dali, southwest China's Yunnan province. As she encountered local farmers who were working hard in crops, she made up her mind to draw a book for them, as the illustrator herself explains. 应该用我的方式去记录一下中国传统的。I hope to use my own style to record traditional means of farming in China. Through my illustrations, readers can see their farming techniques and devices are extremely old-fashioned in contrast to the advanced electronic tools which are applied in the modern Chinese agricultural system. A huge water-driven rice ponder remains in use there, and maybe after several years, it might fade out of history. So I decided to record it via my illustrations, which I think. Is really a good and interesting way to keep a record of Chinese agriculture. In my opinion, it is a lot better than the plain written documents. Yu's book, "Where Does Rice Come From," has won her the Bolognian Children's Book Fair Award for illustration. Now, this book's copyright becomes available in Cambodia, enabling young local readers a chance to understand the agricultural traditions of the neighboring country. Zhao Hengfeng is the deputy general manager of China Children's Press and Publication Group, which published Yu Hongcheng's book and exported its copyright. There is still a big challenge for us to sell Chinese children's books overseas. Actually, we try to promote our books worldwide, and Cambodia is the first country that imported Yu's book simply because what her book depicts is a landscape similar to Cambodia's natural environment. Today, we advocate telling Chinese stories by our own artistic means. But we also have to ensure young foreign readers could understand those stories by reading illustrations. Hoeing the grass under the noonday sun, his sweat drips on the ground beneath. Who knows that on the dining plate, every single grain means hardship. This is an ancient Chinese poem, "Sympathy for Peasants," written by Li Shen, a poet in Tang Dynasty over a thousand years ago. This poem was illustrated to demonstrate to young readers, both at home and abroad, the importance of not wasting even a single grain of rice, and how this is considered a betrayal of the hard work and sweat that the peasants have put into growing it. Illustrated books help young minds grasp these excellent lessons, despite the language barrier some of the young readers may have. Zhao Hengfeng thinks this is where the charm of a book filled with illustrations derives from. This book also imparts knowledge, telling children in details how our food in the plate is made. Her illustrations represent a traditional Chinese style of painting. But they are drawn in a manner that is easy to understand. 
This helps foreign readers interpret the meaning of the book. In my opinion, a criterion to evaluate if it's a truly good picture book is that readers may understand 60 to 70 percent of the contents by merely looking at those illustrations. Earlier at the Bologna Children's Book Fair in Italy, Martin Salisbury, a professor at Cambridge School of Art and also an illustrator and an author, noted that Chinese picture books have its pictures well integrated together to tell the story. The professor also added, the development of Chinese illustrators and their works will open up new collaboration opportunities on the education side for China and other nations to learn from one another. Okay, it's time to take a break. If you want to know more about what happened in Chinese children's book landscape, stick around. Snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, ink and quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. The just-concluded China Children's Book Fair in Beijing acted as a reading room for parents and kids alike as they shuttle among various sets at the complex, built to resemble scenes and locations from some of the most intriguing children's books on the market. During the fair, experts gave out some suggestions for parents to cultivate a better reading habit for their children. Let's go to Chi Hui Guang for the details. During the expo, each child got a passport that helped guide them through tours of six different reading zones. They can also got stamps for swapping gifts by answering questions raised by staff members. Guo Yawen, director of the book fair organizing committee, said, We have selected 60 books from those that are very popular among kids and created 60 scenes based on the content of these books. There are also do-it-yourself zones for kids, and there are activities that encourage parents and kids to read together. There are celebrity forums as well. The experience zones, based on some of today's most popular children's books, are generated excitement among the youngsters in attendance. There are so many books, like a book C. I love the books with cartoon pictures. I love historical and military books. Facing the sea of children's books, many parents had difficulty selecting some proper ones for their children. Experts reminded parents that they should never ignore the points of interest of their children, which are the best start for cultivating better reading habits. Wang Lei is assistant professor on elementary education at Capital Normal University in Beijing. Parents always recommend some instructive and intellectual books to their children. However, I believe the most important thing is to respect every kid's point of interest. Through this way, children will turn the passive reading into active reading. Gradually, they'll realize that reading is such an interesting thing. Besides, it is also important to select books for them according to their ages and reading abilities. From picture books to bridge books combining both pictures and texts, then to all textbooks. Jin Bo from Children's Literature Committee of China Writers Association suggested that it is also necessary for parents to not only support their kids to read, but also to accompany their reading. 
I advocate that parents should read books with their children. Through reading together, you could communicate with them and get to know what's in their minds, as well as the difficulties they've encountered in reading. Only through communication could parents give better guidance to the method of their children's reading, instead of just paying for the books. Though there are lots of e-books in the market, experts suggested that parents should read the paper version with their children together to control the reading pace. After reading some good book classics, we should encourage the children to write something, including some book reviews and new words or phrases they've learned from the book. During the book fair, some of the world's most renowned picture book illustrators have been invited as well, with the aim of encouraging them to create works based on popular Chinese stories. Kyle is one of them. My greatest, greatest hope is that some of the children reading the book can really enjoy their time,、uh, take what they learn in the book, and go the next day and have a have a beautiful day. That was Wei Guang telling us how to foster a healthy reading habit for children. I think it's quite important for parents to get involved as well. Instead of introducing your kids to digital devices, why not spend some quality time with them and read together? Okay, time to sit back and relax a little bit. Coming up, our bookworms Ningjing, Shiru, and Doris will discuss whether it is okay to mash up classics with a horror genre. How to adapt a thriller into a movie? What is your favorite toilet reading? And when to give up on paperback? Want to know the answers? Join our discussion about all the trendiest topics on Ink and Quill. Hi guys! Surely you've been reading books this week. What's caught your attention? Well, frankly speaking, I didn't read a lot last week, but I did watch a quite interesting movie, which is adapted from the namesake book called *Pride and Prejudice and Zombies*. So basically, the movie is a strange combination of Jane Austen's time-proofed classic with a horror drama, *The Walking Dead*. Walking Dead and Pride and Prejudice. Interesting. Who would like to tell me something about the book? Well, that tells the story of five sisters living in the English countryside with elements of modern zombie fiction. So the five girls are actually trained zombie fighters, and they receive their training. Guess where? In Shaolin Temple, right here in China. Yes, yes, yes. Where else they can go? Yes. So the presence of zombies alters the original plot. For example, characters openly discuss and judge the zombie fighting abilities of others. The Bingleys look down upon the Bennets because the Bennets received their training in China, in which China. means they're not as wealthy <laughs> and they can't afford the superior training by the Japanese ninjas. Tell us something about the similarities and differences between Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and the original Jane Austen book. It looks to me the main theme is still the marriage of those five girls,、mm-hmm. but only the way that they try to, you know, get men's attention is a little bit different. Like, yes, 
making it. You saved my life, and I saved your life. In return, you know, I fell in love with you, and you are impressed by me, right? Yes. Although Elizabeth did turn into a warrior princess, as did all her sisters in the original book. You know, Lydia is kind of this girly girl、yeah. who falls in love with every guy on the street, and Jane is this like meek woman who stays at home and who just wants to look pretty. And Charlotte Lucas is pretty much on the hunt. For a husband all the、yeah. time, so that in this novel didn't change at all. The Charlotte Lucas character, she's still married to、um, Mr. Collins. However, there is a difference because in the book, Charlotte was actually bitten by a zombie. Sorry to spoil the book. Mr. Collins actually, when he found out, he beheaded her and burned her、um, corpse. He actually hung himself. So he committed suicide. So that's kind of like the dark side of the book. But what I really did like is the fact that Lady Catherine de Bourgh is a badass warrior. In the original book, she was kind of. Pompous and arrogant for no reason at all, but here she has a reason because she killed thousands and millions of zombies.、Yeah. So I respected her more in this novel. That's quite interesting. How you guys read this novel? Well, it is an interesting concept, but halfway through the novel, you find that the story is not that different from the original. I totally agree. In the beginning, the story is quite refreshing. However, since eighty percent of it is still following the original plot, so after the first two chapters, I could call it a night because it's still the same story, just crammed with zombies. Speaking of the matchup stories, we've got. Abraham Lincoln and Vampire Hunter and Queen Victoria, the Demon Hunter, all those books available. So, how do you look at these sort of books? Well, it's certainly a genre nowadays.、Uh, for example, there's the、um, Sense and Sensitivity and the Sea Monsters. So that's another adaptation of Jane Austen's original work with an elements of the. Mysterious and supernatural creatures. Why they favor Jane Austen's book so much? Well, actually, I think it has something to do with the copyright. Because I remember in the UK, the copyright of one fiction could extend to about seventy years after the death of the author. So, if you really want to do something new, you always look to those classics. So it is as simple as that. No one is there to ask you to pay them a fee. Like you will never expect you will have like this modern twist of some classics. I read a really interesting fiction from Chinese website. Some Chinese writers mixed Harry Potter with the Dream of Red Mansion. It's really weird. <laughs> yes,、uh, you can't see Shu Yu's facial expression. <laughs> I think today's vibrant cyberspace has inspired people to be more creative. It also empowers readers transform into writers. So books like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies are largely tailor-made for those picky people. Yeah, and also people are wondering in novels, these classic novels, like what do the other characters think? So, for example, in Sherlock Holmes, you got the recently published novel of Moriarty, and you also have the fairy tales. Story of Cinderella adapted into a book called the Stories of the Two、um, Stepsisters. What do you guys think about this remix culture? Do you think it is the trend in the literary world? 
Well, I think for now those topics suits the market because people like、mm. stories about werewolves, zombies, warriors, demons, all those you know those kind of topics. But you will never know. Yeah, maybe you can have like Charles Dickens mashed up with like Harry Potter or Twilight. God forbid. Oh God. <laughs> You guys do love mashup stories. By the way, do you think the world like this trend? It's certainly an interesting trend. It gives you an insight into what if you know two authors from one from the present and one from the past when they collaborate, what kind of products will they produce? I think it's just you know suits the niche of this market.、Mm-hmm. No matter it's mashup, parody novels, it's published for a younger generation. Yeah, and mashup is also makes these really old classics from the early nineteenth century more relatable to the present day. You know, people are reading about zombies and vampires and all these werewolves. um yeah werewolves. And you know why not bring these old classic novels into the present day by adding these elements into them. Thank you guys for bringing us such an interesting discussion. Well, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world. To learn more about it, you can follow our Facebook account, China Plus. Thanks for listening. I'm Yang Yong. Goodbye.